Welcome to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you, challenges you, and furthers your relationship with God in a whole new way. Enjoy this week's message. All right, good morning. I am excited to bring the word today. Always exciting. It's always a great privilege. Uh, Pastor Gwynmar and uh, Pastor Yolanda are probably not even thinking about us this morning. No, they probably are. They probably are for a brief moment <laughs> as they vacation and celebrate 20 years of marriage together. So, yeah. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful couple Pastor Gwynmar and Pastor Yolanda are, aren't they? I mean, they are so special. I'll tell you, they're, they are... Um, Genuine pastors. They really are pastors, and I'm so thankful for them. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to actually begin in verse 7, and I think I had it different on the notes, so my apologies if that messes up our audiovisual people back there. But I'm going to begin in verse 7, and we're going to go through verse 16. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended. Y'all following all that? Far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now hang on to that phrase because we're going to talk about that again in a moment. That he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But this is what we do. That's what we don't do. What we do is we speak the truth in love. In doing so, we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. <clears throat> so this is a great passage of Scripture and that I often have spoken out of, and there's different viewpoints, not different viewpoints, but different facets of this passage that we can tap into. What I'm going to tap into today, though, is what it means to be a healthy, strong, and growing church. What does that mean? What does that look like? What, do we, what, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for the world? One moment. <clears throat> My apologies. <clears throat> so I want to say this. First of all, I have for many years said it takes three things for us to grow. It takes, number one, the Word of God. You cannot grow spiritually without the Word of God. And that's why we put so much emphasis on reading the Word and meditating on the Word and spending time in the Word. And, you know, if you're doing more now than you did a year ago, good for you. <laughs> 
but if you probably need to do even more, I would suppose. And I know that many of us probably aren't really in the Word very much at all. And I encourage you to get into the Word. Secondly, it takes the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we can't even grasp the things that God's given to us, but the Spirit reveals them to us, 1 Corinthians 2. And so it takes the Holy Spirit working in your life to grow. But the third thing that we're going to focus on today, it takes the people of God. And when I say those three things, I think that many people kind of have a reaction against that. It's like, well, yeah, this Word of God, the Spirit of God, but the people of God? Well, this passage of Scripture clearly says it takes the people of God for us to grow. Right? Didn't it say that? It said that. And so I don't think that we can really relegate any of those to an inferior or superior position. It takes all three for us to grow. So I'm going to talk about what it means to be a healthy church. So first of all, I think it's important for us to understand what we mean by church. And I don't obviously have time to do a full in-depth study of what that means, but I just want to talk about two different facets of it. First of all, the church is more than this gathering today. We, we are a church, but we are part of the church. We are part of the universal body of Christ. And in that universal body of Christ, there are no Catholics and Protestants. There are no Baptists and Pentecostals. There are no Methodists and Presbyterians. There is just the body of Christ. Amen? We are all a part of the church. And the church is... is so what does the church do? What, what is the effect of us being a healthy church? So I want you to turn, and, and first of all, let me just say this. Ephesians 4 was not written in a vacuum. It was, it was a culmination, actually almost the culmination of the entire letter that Paul wrote. And I, I think it's important, I know that many of us probably know this, but we don't really think about it. The Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Do you know that? It was just written. And about 1,200, a guy named Steve Langdon or something like that, he divided it into chapters and verses. But, but it wasn't written that way, and Ephesians was just a letter, right? So think about it, it's just a letter. And so it's building on itself. And so as we get to Ephesians 4, it's, it's culminating what's been said before that. And so Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is talking about Christ and what God has done in Christ, and it says he wants us to know these things, and he he concludes that passage with, and he wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, this is an important part of the message. And I thought Bob did a great job with communion today, didn't he? This is awesome. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. That's what God did with Christ. He seated him far above all the principalities and powers, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. I know it's not something we think about regularly. And he put all things under his feet. And now this is where it shifts to us. And gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Remember I said, hang on to that phrase, he was going to fill all things. Well, Jesus is filling the world with himself through us. I want to repeat that. I want to make sure you get it. Jesus is filling the world with himself, but he's doing it through us. The world, let me just rephrase it this way. You may not like how this sounds. I don't like how it sounds. But the world will not be filled with Jesus unless we fill the world with him. It takes us. We are how Jesus fills the world with himself. Now, how does he do that? Well, he does it in a lot of ways. He does it tomorrow when you go to work and you are at work. Jesus is filling the world with himself through your presence at work. He does it when you go to school. He's filling the world with your presence at school. I think he does it by placing people strategically. You may be in a business and strategically placed where God can especially fill the world with your presence, with his presence through you. And, you know, even in government, thank God for godly people in government. I believe God uses them to fill the world with himself. But there's another dimension by which he fills the world. And I really want you to focus in. I, this is, well, you just have to judge for yourself and we're all done. But hopefully you can hang on and follow me. How does he fill the world with himself? Well, he, it says that Jesus was seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. What in the world is that talking about? What? <laughs> Got my wife excited, didn't you? So <laughs> Ephesians 3.10 is, is a very interesting verse as well. Remember, we're, it's, it's a culmination. This letter is unfolding. In Ephesians 3.10, it says that God makes his manifold wisdom known into the principalities and powers in the spiritual places, spiritual heavenly places. So what is that talking about? Well, what it, first of all, let me just say this. What is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is Christ crucified, resurrected, and ascended. That's the wisdom of God that confounds the wisdom of the world. I mean, the world is looking for all these fabulous answers, and God says, here's my answer. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ resurrected. Jesus Christ ascended to the Father's right hand, and they're exercising authority over the principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. So what is all that talking about? Well, there's a very fascinating story in the book of Daniel. And I just hope you can stay with me on this. But in the book of Daniel, there's a fascinating story. It, Daniel was seeking an answer to a vision, Daniel chapter 10. And, and he, he, he just was so desperate for an answer. It's where we get what we now call the Daniel fast. Although Daniel didn't one day decide, I think I'm going to do a Daniel fast. He didn't do that. He just, <laughs> he, just, um, he just was so desperate for an answer from God 
that he didn't eat any meat, he didn't eat anything pleasant, he didn't drink anything except water, he just ate vegetables and water as he sought God desperately for an answer. 21 days later, an angel showed up to Daniel. And here's, so follow this. Here's what the angel said to Daniel. I was actually sent the first day you started praying. But, he said, I couldn't get through. Okay, that's just mind-boggling to me. He said, because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Now, he didn't mean King Cyrus or King Darius. or He meant a demonic being blocked him from getting through, literally kept him from getting through. He says, it wasn't until Michael came and helped me that I was able to get through with the answer. And then he gave Daniel the answer, and then he says this. It's just, to me it's mind-boggling. Maybe to you it's not, but to me it is. He says, I've got to go now because the prince of Greece is coming. Well, we all know, I guess we all know that historically, Persia was an amazing empire. It stretched literally from India all the way to Greece, but they never could quite conquer Greece. And they tried several times. And we have the famous movie 300 and all that kind of stuff that's all a part of that history. And, and, but then Alexander the Great what, united the Greek kingdom and destroyed, I mean, literally destroyed the Persian empire. And so this, this angel, he, listen, this angel is telling Daniel what's going to happen first in the spirit, and now we read about it in history books. Did y'all follow that? that that's, that's almost bewildering, isn't it? That it's happening up here as it happens or before it happens here. And so that's what it says when Jesus is exalted far above all of that. And that you and I, as the church, declare the manifold wisdom of God into that realm. And what is it we're declaring? We're declaring Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, ascended, and He is over in authority over those principalities and powers and mights and dominions. Let me just give you an example of how that works out. Last week, and again this morning actually, but last week it really started for me during worship. Right now we have a huge crisis in the world in the nation of Afghanistan. Of course, we're praying for the Americans who are trapped there, but, but what, what's really been on my heart, we've had 20 years now of American presence which means we've had 20 years of evangelism taking place. We have Christians in Afghanistan that have come to Christ during those 20 years, and, and before that as well, but certainly during those 20 years. We have churches that have been formed and birthed during those 20 years. And now the Taliban, in a moment's time, to the shock of the entire world, took over that nation. And suddenly we have 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of Christians whose lives are in jeopardy. And so last week during worship, we were singing, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me, I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. And as we were singing that, I was singing that over Afghanistan. I just was in my heart. I wasn't even here. I was in Afghanistan singing that song over them, declaring God's grace and declaring God's victory and declaring that Jesus Christ is the Lord in Afghanistan. Now, I have heard, I've heard teachings, I've heard teachings that, that encourage us to pull down principalities and powers over nations. I just want to say, I'm not here to say that's wrong necessarily, but I just know I don't feel comfortable with that. I, I don't really see that in scripture. Um, if you feel led to do that, that's fine. But I don't feel comfortable with that. But what I do feel comfortable with is this, is declaring that Jesus is above that principality. And so I don't think that anybody would deny that there certainly is a principality and powers and dominions over that region of the world. I mean, I think we all would say, yeah, that makes sense to me. And what we can declare is that Jesus Christ is far above all of those principalities and powers and mights and dominions, and he is filling that place with us. And we, the church, are declaring into that heavenly realm, Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is over you, and he is above you. You see that? And we make known the manifold wisdom of God. In that realm. I mean, this morning, too, when we were singing, I can't remember any of the words now, but the last song, I was just, again, just kind of caught up in doing that. What was the last song I was saying? <laughs> Whatever it was, doesn't matter. But anyhow, I just, I was, um, was once again just believing that Jesus is exalted. I mean, I've been praying that God would make the Christians invisible, that he would hide them, that he would cover them, he would protect them. And I've even pr been praying this, that God would give them favor with the Taliban government. And what a testimony to the world of God's grace that would be. So this isn't about Afghanistan. That's just an example of what I'm talking about. And I think we do the very same thing over our schools. Years ago, when we first went to our, our where we were pastoring for 30 years, I, I would just go down to the high school and walk around that high school and declare Jesus Christ is Lord over this school. Well, we wound up with, a, I don't know how many youth, well, over a period of several years, we had over 300 youth from that school come through our church. And, you know, like 150 of them or so that we had regularly that were there. But, but and I believe it was a direct result of declaring that Jesus was Lord over that school. You declare Jesus is Lord where you work. You just declare it, Jesus Christ, you are above this place. You are over this place. And you declare his lordship. And that's how he filled. That's what the healthy church does. Ephesians 4, we're a healthy church. And as a healthy church, we fill the world with Christ. Amen? You guys with me so far? All right. I'm taking a long time. My apologies. So, but we do that as the church. 
the universal church, declaring that. But, but I think we do it as a local church as well, and that we as a church are important. In fact, I want to talk about the local church. That was the universal church. But what about the local church? In Ephesians chapter 2, again, remember, this is a letter unfolding. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, it says, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That, that would be universal. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now notice this, notice there's a, there's a juxtaposition here in the next two verses. I want you to see this. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The whole building, what is that talking about? That's the whole church. That's the universal church. In him, the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Notice verse 22. In him, you also. In him, the whole building being fitted together. Verse 22. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What is, that, what is he saying? He's saying the whole body, the whole church, our brothers and sisters in India, our brothers and sisters in Africa, our brothers and sisters in wherever. They, we're, we're all being built together. We are a temple in which God lives in this planet. But you also, Calvary Life, you also are being built together. See that? We are a part of the universal church, but then the local church. There's two different things. We're all part of the same thing, but this local church is unique. This local church is God wants to dwell here by His Spirit. He wants to dwell here. I just did a really quick count through the New Testament in the New King James Version. and the New King James Version, I counted 68 times that the word church is used. And there are other words. There's assembly and gather. There's other words that are used, but just the word church. 68 times, and of the 68 times, at least 41. And I say at least because some it was really a little bit difficult to tell. It could be 44, 45, but at least 41 of those times spoke specifically about the local church. 68 times, 41 of those times spoke specifically about a local gathering of believers. Now, that doesn't mean that the universal church isn't important, but life happens in the local church. It happens here. Life happens in the local church. And so how then do we grow? That's, I'm finally getting to the message. <laughs> how then do we grow in the local church? What, what, what is he? That's really what this whole passage is about. This whole passage is about growing and become a strong, healthy church. So how does that happen? And he mentions two things that make it happen. One is the ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And that's not going to be my focus today. I'll mention that briefly, but our focus is going to be on the other one, which is the community of the saints. Those are the two things that help us grow. 
and they both are people, right? Both of those are people. So that just a quick word about the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is it's an interesting thing there. It says that they are for the reason of equipping us, the saints. The ministry gifts have the specific purpose of equipping the church. And the word equipping is katartismas in this occasion, which means to fully furnish. And so think about, I mean, a young guy shows up, first day of football practice, he goes into the, to the um, supply room, he gets his shoulder pads, his helmet, his jersey, his knee pads, and, and everything else, and he, he's fully furnished to go out and play the game. That, that's, that's the picture that that has for it, that these, these, uh, these ministry gifts are fully furnishing us for the purpose of living and serving in the kingdom of God. That's what their role is. That's, what they, that's a, their job. But it's very interesting to me that a variation of that word is katartizas, and that word is the same word when Jesus called the disciples, what were they doing? They were mending their nets. They probably needed to get out of fishing because every time you see them, they're mending their nets. But they were, they were mending their nets. And the word for mending was katartizo. Katartizo was also used for a doctor setting a bone. And so part of being equipped and this is not today's message, but part of being equipped is being healed and being restored. Katartizod. We get healed and restored. Because for whatever degree of brokenness is in our life, to that degree, we are limited in what we can do. So every single one of us in this room, myself included, have areas of brokenness. We are all in the process of being mended. And if you're not being mended, you're just staying broken. <laughs> so we're all in the process of being mended. So that's that for that. I mean, I'd love to talk about that more, but that's a part of what it means to be equipped. But the other group or the other way that we are strengthened and become healthy is through the ministry of the body. So let's look at it again. For the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 12. And then it says we come to unity of faith, etc. Verse 14, no longer children tossed to and fro. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up. Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, Marcy really touched on this, is the, the challenge of being in community in our busy world. I mean, I have to admit, I'm really not in a lot of community with the church. I'm not. And I need to work on it. But I get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock every morning. I do my exercises. I pray. Actually, I pray first, and then I do my exercises, and then, and then I go teach all day, then I come home and cook supper, and then I do my online classes, and then I go to bed, and the next day I get up and do it again. And you have the same story. But I, I love what Marcy said. We have to be, and this is not, I did not prepare this message, 
as a promotion for life groups, although it certainly is a good one, isn't it? But, uh, but, uh, but, but I think we have to be intentional about living life in community. And we have, to, we have to stretch ourselves. We have to figure out ways to do it. A few weeks ago, Pastor Lewis and Frida invited us over for dinner, and I enjoyed the food. It was great. <laughs> it was wonderful food. And, um, and, but we enjoyed the fellowship. It was so rich just to sit and talk and to share about Christ and about life and about ministry. It was just amazing. And, and I think about, wow, when's the last time I've actually done that? It's been a while. And I think we need that desperately. And, and we, don't, we don't really do that. So, so, promotion for life groups, here we go. So, so, I mean, at least, yeah, that is a good way to do it. Once a week, you're able to go, sit in a living room with people, sit around the living room. You're not sitting in rows like this. You're sitting in the living room. You're sitting around in a circle. You're sharing life. You're talking. You're praying for one another. You're studying the Word of God together. It's a great place. But life groups isn't enough in itself. In fact, I could just challenge you. I could ask you, how, when's the last time, well, I won't say it that way. I'll just say it this way. How much do you spend in meaningful fellowship with other believers outside of Sunday morning? How much do we spend in meaningful fellowship with other believers outside of Sunday morning? And the answer for most of us is very little. Very little. And yet, that is how we grow up into Christ. Did I just read that? Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Christ. We grow up by being together. We grow up by being in community. In fact, I think that the busyness of this world is part of the devil's plan. It really is. Now, we have, we have avenues of community in our church. I, mean, I think the fervor prayer, I have never been. I'm not a lady, but I've, been, I, you know, I've heard them talk about it. It feels like there's a lot of community there. Um, there's, there's places that we have community in our church, but we need to work at building it more. Let's talk about what we mean by speaking the truth in love, and then I'm going to finish up. Speaking the truth in love, what, what does that mean? So, so one of the things I just want you to do is when I speak, I, one of the things I hope that happens is that you figure out, you just learn how to study better. And so it, if you'll notice, one of the things you do is just ask a lot of questions. We, we, we have the bad habit of just reading over it, and then that's it. We're done. But... But a lot of this prompts a lot of questions. And so I see speaking the truth in love. What does that mean? Well, three things come to mind immediately for me, and there, it could be more, but three things come to mind immediately for me. And number one is speaking the truth about ourselves, that we are able to share openly our own areas where we need to grow. My wife and I did a marriage um, seminar about three weeks ago now, I think, for um, a Congolese church, uh, their church we've been friends with for years. In fact, we helped plant that church. When was that, brother? 93. Um, <clears throat> Pastor Marcel was one of the founding elders of that church, and we did a marriage seminar for that church, and I was so touched. After 
we had shared, and then, and then we had question and answers, and boy, <laughs> they asked me a lot of tough questions, <laughs> but I answered the best I could, and, and when I didn't know, I said, I don't know, so we just, that's how we did that, but, but several of the younger members of the congregation stood and shared about, how they, they just felt like in their culture, it's, it's very difficult to be honest about what they are going through. You just hide it. Well, I was thinking, dear ones, it's not just your culture. <laughs> it's not just your culture. We, we hide. The first thing that Adam and Eve did was hide, right? Shame. They were ashamed. They felt shame. They hid. And the first thing we do is hide. We, don't, we really don't want anyone knowing who we really are, and what it is we really struggle with. And the truth of the matter is, listen to me carefully, the truth of the matter is, until we are able to do that, we will never grow past that point. We have to be able to share. We have to be able to express, this is, this is where I am, this is who I am, this is what I'm dealing with. I need your prayer, I need your help, I need your strength. So, Speaking the truth in love is first and foremost, I believe, well, the third one is probably foremost, but, but it certainly is first being able to speak the truth about ourselves and to openly and honestly share our points of struggle. Now, I could give an altar call right here <laughs> because I know we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. I, I'm a very private person. I mean, you, you could, you'll have to go back many years before you'll find a Facebook post from me. I just, you know, I just don't share my life with everyone. And yet I know, but there have been times that I have shared deeply about myself with people that I trust. And I've had them walk through me with things that I needed healing from and wholeness in. You guys follow me on that? So, so... I would just encourage you to do some serious soul searching. And I don't want you to run around just blabbing everything. I mean, I, I really don't like Facebook. I, I like it because I like to keep up with everybody else, but I don't like to turn. But, but it's amazing to me how much about everyone's personal lives they share. And it's like, I think, but I really think that it is because People so desperately need to do that. And they're not in community enough to be able to, to do it in a, in a safe and healthy setting, so they just blab it on Facebook. And again, I'm, this is no, I didn't even mean, that was not in my notes. But, but, um, <clears throat> but I, I do think it's important that we find people that we can really share our life with. And, and hopefully our life groups will come to that. It won't be that way the first night. <clears throat> I mean, you're not going to just get in there and share your deepest, darkest needs. On the, well, you might. <laughs> if you do, praise God. But most likely not. But, but hopefully we will get there. We're able to do that. And, and, but not only that, you have friends. I mean, Bob and I share life together. and We talk about everything. So you need some people like that in your life. The second thing that I think that speaking the truth in love means is we speak the truth to people about them. And that's even more difficult. 
Romans chapter 15, verse 14, Paul said, I, I'm convinced that you guys are full of goodness and able to admonish one another. That you're able to do that. That we speak the truth in love. That we, that we share with someone. When I, <clears throat> when I made the shift from being a pastor to being a professor, it was a very challenging shift for me. I, I thought I would be a pastor until I died. And I still am a pastor, of course, but not pastoring the church. And I was already teaching part-time. And, and I was at lunch with another dear friend, another friend that I share life with. Um, his name's Kirk. And, and we were at lunch, and he said to me, I, I was almost offended. He said to me, when you speak about your church, I don't hear the same excitement that I hear in your voice when you speak about teaching. And he said, I think it's time for you to make a change. Oh, I was shocked. But he spoke the truth to me. And, and I, I mean, I made a major life change. Not just because of what he said. It resonated in my spirit. But he, what would have I done if he hadn't spoken the truth? I would have probably kept on hanging on trying to do both for who knows how long. And it wasn't what God wanted for me to do. And I, I really believe it wasn't what God wanted me for me to do. But you, we have to be willing to speak the truth to someone that we love. You guys with me? How many are wishing you hadn't come today? <laughs> we speak the truth in love. And the third way we speak truth is we speak the word of God. But we speak the word of God in love. We don't use the word of God to beat people up. We don't use the word of God to bring judgment to people. We don't use the word of God to condemn people. We use the word of God in ways that will build them up, and that will edify them, that will lift them, that will encourage them. And we, we speak the truth in love. Amen? We speak the truth in love. And I think that's how we grow in the local body. We grow by the ministry gifts, equipping us, fully furnishing us, healing us, mending us. And we grow by truthful, open, honest community with the saints. <clears throat> and that, my friends, is very challenging. Now, for some people, <clears throat> it's not as difficult as others. But for many of us, that is extremely challenging to engage in true, meaningful, honest community. And yet, if I'm reading the Bible right, <clears throat> we won't grow without it. Or our growth will be very limited <clears throat> without it. And so my challenge to us today, and there is more to the message, <clears throat> but I'm going to end there. It talks about what is what does a healthy church look like? Well, we're 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 in the unity of the faith, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. We we grow up into the perfect man. And doesn't mean perfect, doesn't mean perfect the way we think of perfect. It means complete, a complete person. Um, we're not we're stable, we're not tossed to and fro, and and we grow up. So there I did it. I went ahead and told you after all. Um, <clears throat> but I just did it quickly. 
But my, my point is, so I really, it's really like two messages in one. And if, if I was doing, if I was pastoring, I would have broken it up into a couple messages. But first of all, I wanted us to see the universal church. And we're a part of that. And we are declaring into the heavenlies that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is above the principalities over Afghanistan, right? He's above the principalities over your school or your place of employment. He's above that. And secondly, I want us to understand how we grow. We grow in the context of the local church. And we grow in the context of community. Speaking the truth about ourselves to other people, the word of God. And we grow. And we become healthy and strong and mature. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I pray that you'd help us hear what you wanted to say to us today. I pray that I've delivered what you wanted to say. Um, <clears throat> I'm not even sure what to do with this, except just to ask you to speak it to our hearts. Help us respond in the ways that you want us to. I pray that we would open our hearts to be changed, molded, Help us, God, to help us to, to sense. I feel like, Lord, we don't really understand that we're a part of the body of Christ around the globe. And when we're in worship, we're not just singing songs. We're joining millions of voices, raising up the name of Jesus. And you are enthroning yourself in this planet on the praises of your people, on the worship that's going forth. That Jesus, you are exalted far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, and you're filling the world with us, well, with yourself through us. The world's being filled with you, but through us. And Lord, we, we desperately need to grow. We don't want to just... Keep on being who we've always been. We want to grow. We want to become healthy, mature. And according to this passage, God, it has to happen through the ministry of the community. Ministering life to one another. I pray you'd help us hear that and receive that and live that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I, uh, I don't know that I want to do an altar call, although we probably should. Um, if you, I just feel like we need to somehow process that together, that we need to ask the Lord to help us comprehend that. I, I feel like, I just feel like it's a word from the Lord for us today. So let's stand together. Let's worship together. I don't know if we can get words up or not. I would love it if we could, so we could actually worship together, sing together. If not, that's okay. What do you sing? Names. Okay, let's, let's worship God. And as you worship... Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. If what you heard today impacted you, be sure to tell us about it. You can rate, 
and subscribe to this podcast or contact us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or our website, calvarylifedfw.com. Thank you so much and have a great week.